After a short break from Roth conversion questions, the inbox is once again overflowing with them. So today on Your Money, Your Wealth, Big Al and Reluctantly Joe return to answering them. The whole show is nothing but Roth conversion questions once again. That is what the fellows are known for. Should Perry do a conversion or capture non-qualified long-term capital gains? How will Social Security impact Mike's taxes after a Roth conversion? The fellows explain the pro rata rule again for Dan. And Santiago is a highly compensated employee. Should he do an MBDR, that is a mega backdoor Roth conversion? And Ed wants to know if you should borrow money to pay the tax on that conversion. Great questions all, and the fellas have some thoughts and suggestions. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes, where you can read the episode transcript, access free financial resources, and ask your money questions, even if they are about Roth conversions. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. I guess welcome to the Roth IRA show, <laughs> where all we well, talk about is Roth. In- you know, it's here's what's happening, Joe. The questions we're getting are based upon Roth, and so that's what we're talking about. Then everyone assumes to ask us a Roth question. So we just have to have I, one. I, we've, we have, at, we've answered hundreds of questions on other topics. I guess they don't. The, the answers are probably awful. They're like we, these we, guys we, don't know anything else but Roth IRA stuff. We need to do two or three episodes in a row where we don't talk about Roth, and then we, maybe I, we'll reset. Yeah, but I got 15 pages of Roth IRA questions. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to plead with our listeners. Send us something that's not Roth related. God. Okay, we, Perry. We can, Perry on page eight has a question that does actually involve Roth, but I think it might be a little bit more interesting to you guys. I was thinking, okay, Perry. All right. Let's see what Perry has to say. Perry. Don't yell at me if I'm wrong. (laughs) Oh, right off the bat. I have $500 in a Roth. I said it talks about (laughs) Roth, but I think it'll be an interesting question. Okay, Perry. 500,000. Yeah, 500K, 500 shimoles. Just so we're clear on that. I have $500,000 each in a Roth, in a traditional IRA, and also in a non-qualified brokerage, $1.5 million total. So he's completely diversified, 500, 500, 500. Look Pretty at good. me. Aren't yeah, that's, he's, he's fishing for a compliment. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee it. <laughs> for sure. What do you guys think? Uh, <laughs> he didn't write that, but that was implied. Oh, boy. Uh, so... <laughs> So far in 2020, I've limited my normal taxable income to $45,000, uh, 12 and a half. A single standard deduction would bring my initial federal taxable income down to $32,600. No, I'm also trying to keep my adjusted uh, gross income below $87,000 uh, to avoid that Medicare surcharge IRMA um, and to preserve a local property tax freeze. All right. So these sounds pretty sharp. Yeah. I would like to know your thoughts regarding a $50,000 Roth conversion or capturing $50,000 of a non-qualified brokerage capital gains by the end of 2020, as I feared the tax reapers coming. My guess is that capital gain changes may be more of a future tax burden than changes in marginal tax rates. So I'm ready to pull the trigger and trade some non-qualified mutual funds that show unrealized multiple term gains. And I have held these mutual funds for a very long time. So I think they're mainly long term. Any clean thoughts, your obedient servant? Um, okay, Perry. So well, what do you think? So he, he's asking, I got, well, he's single, right? 
and then he's keeping his taxable income to 32000 So he's got some room in the 12% tax bracket to sell some capital gains at tax-free, right? Yeah. So yeah, he's got about 8000 bucks. Correct. Yep. Um, so, Perry, if you stay in the 12% tax bracket, just call it $40,000 of taxable income, there would be no capital gains of that $8,000. So just understand that. Um, so should he do capital gains or conversions is his thought. He's got 500, 500, 500, um, and he is 62 years old. Did he give us his age? Well, he must be 65 because he's or close to 65 because he's talking about the no, Medicare. Medicare, Irma. Yeah, at yeah. 87,000. Yeah. Yep. So let's see, 65, he's got 500,000. That thing turns to a million He's got then four, uh, call it $40,000 of RMDs. And let's see here. But he's keeping his adjusted gross income below 87000 Yeah, I think that's what he's, he's basically asked, he, he wants to do something, either the Roth conversion of fifty grand or capital gains of fifty to keep it below eighty seven. Got it, because his taxable income is thirty two. He wants to keep yeah. it at eighty seven. You know what? I don't know. It's... He, it's I would I, this is a tough question for me um, because I would want to look at what the allocation looks like. It looks like he's bought these mutual funds a long time ago. What is the basis of the funds, and how much capital gain does he have? What's going to hurt him more is probably ordinary income versus cap gains because he's going to be in the fifteen percent cap gain and zero percent cap gains, but he's also in the t- ten or twelve percent you know ordinary income tax bracket. So does it make sense maybe to go to the top of the uh, 22% tax bracket to to convert some money out. Maybe you do that for one or two years. He doesn't have to convert a lot because it, it's not like he's got millions, um, and he doesn't seem like he needs it, um, but he's single. So I don't know. I, I like the conversion better than cap gains, but that's just if, – if I'm just assuming investments are equal. Yeah, that's and we don't know enough information and and I I um, actually first I first I would look at the allocation and if you need to rebalance then I would do that first because you know it, poor investments are are going to trump tax planning and plus you already have you're pretty balanced already but if if you need to rebalance your non-qual I would start with that I do the capital gains I do the Roth conversions after that however if you're already very well balanced for what your goals are then I probably would go over to the Roth. Yeah. And you know, with the whole Irma thing with the increased in Medicare, just count that as a tax, just add that increase, you know, into the overall equation of what you're doing when you do the conversions, just to see what makes sense when you're doing your planning. Yeah. If he so, goes above that, his premium goes from $144 a month to 202. So 60 bucks a month. I mean, it's, it's not going to break the bank and then he could go up to 109. So there's, you know, there's, you just have to, right. You just have to look at that as an extra cost. All right. Hopefully that helps, Perry. Um, your obedient servant. I like that. Uh, let's see. Ed from Cincinnati writes in. <clears throat> he goes, would you borrow money to pay the taxes on a Roth conversion? That was in the subject line of his email. Got it. Hello. I'm a new listener and enjoy the Roth Conversation podcast. <laughs> There's the new oh, name. Oh, you mother. <laughs> oh, Joe. Podcast in all caps. Exclamation point. Oh, it's the Roth Conversion Podcast. I'm telling you, folks, this is it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm I'm retiring. Um, my oh, total, can... I, 
You, I was just going to say, you can tell people when they send us a Roth conversion, you can, Andy can say, just go to episode 276 <laughs> and it'll answer that question. So Ed's a new listener and he's like, wow, this is a great Roth podcast. Um, my total IRA balance is $2.7 million, but only 3%, 80,000 is in a Roth IRA. My wife and I are 66 years old and will be getting a total of about $60,000 per year from Social Security starting at age 70. Our lifestyle would normally keep us easily in the 12% tax bracket, so only a small portion of the RMB fund at age 72 will be needed. We only have a small balance in after-tax monies to pay the taxes on a large Roth conversion. Would you recommend that I borrow $200,000 at a current rate of 3% over the next six years to pay the taxes on converting half of my traditional IRA balance? Thanks. FYI, your advice in previous podcasts was very helpful to me. I was assuming that I would be stuck in the 22% tax bracket uh, for the rest of my life. However, as you pointed out earlier, what happened when that 2.7 million balance doubles to 5.4, say at age 80, the RMD now causes Medicare premiums to get scary and other non-earned income tax penalties. Yikes! <laughs> good, but, good emphasis. Thank you. But first of all, Ed from Cincinnati, we do not give advice on this program. Secondly, I have no idea what Ed drives and how he listens to this new podcast. So that's Ed ever. It's very you. important because you got to put yourself in the in the, the shoes of the listener. Got it. Okay. So to see where their vibe is, to see where their mind is. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Then yeah. that's why you want to know what they're, if they have a pet. Yeah. The well, pet? I, you know, sometimes I, I don't know where the whole pet thing came about. I don't really care about pets. But. It was because of Maverick. <laughs> Somebody wrote in and said that they had their dog Maverick on, uh, in the passenger seat with them. And well, so yeah, you were like, well, what kind of dog is it? And I mean, and I really, think, that does tell you a lot about a person. And, and someone, I think someone was like walking their dog when they listened to our podcast. So you yep. want yeah. to kind of know about that. So what I do is when I read this, I close my eyes and I try to envision Ed from Cincinnati. Got it. And then, okay. or I try to think of our, our supply chain manager from Cookerville, <laughs> you know, so. Marcus from the South. I just, I just try to put myself with them. Like I'm sitting across the desk. Got it. That's uh, that's how committed. Yeah. It's called commitment, Alan. It's called commitment to to the craft. Right. Um, Okay. Totally forgot his question. (laughs) Should you borrow money to pay taxes on your Roth conversion? Okay. All right. So yes, I would for sure. He's got two and a half million dollars. He's only spending a couple of bucks. Me personally, this is not advice. If I was in Ed's shoes, He's got $60,000 of Social Security. So here's what, uh, here's how I would pay out the note, though. So I would take a home equity line or whatever, a couple hundred thousand dollars, right? You borrow that at a couple of percent. Because what happens with RMDs that kick in, it's already going to be forced out of the retirement account, right? So let's say he's spending $70,000 a year. So he's taking $10,000 from the portfolio. $10,000 in the 2.7 is minuscule. So the 2.7 is going to continue to compound over time. And so when he takes his RMD, let's just call it at $3 million at age 72, that's $120,000 plus the $60,000 that he has in Social Security. So he has $180,000 of income. And let's just assume he's only spending $70,000, $80,000. 
He's got an additional $80,000 that needs to come from the retirement account. That additional dollars that comes from the RMD is then used to pay off the note. Yeah, I completely agree, Joe. And, and typically we don't, uh, we really don't want people to borrow money to pay their taxes on the, on the, on a Roth conversion. However, in a case where you don't have any assets outside of retirement, and you're in a low tax bracket, and you have a very large IRA or 401k, then it makes total sense because your RMD, the force out of those funds is going to be plenty to pay off that debt rather quickly. So, he's got yeah. the, right, he's got the money. So you borrow at 3%, the taxes are going to be a lot more than 3%. So it's like, all right, well, can I get leverage from the overall net worth of my house to make sure that I can be a little bit more tax sensitive long term and pass more? I mean, you, you have to run the numbers, of course, and you probably want to sit down with a, a qualified person versus writing into a, a podcast. Um, yeah, but, but I, and I just I just want to add, and probably in most cases, we probably would not tell people to borrow for conversions. I would say ninety nine percent of the time, right? But in this case, it does make sense because you got the large IRA, right? Maybe not a lot of other funds outside of retirement, and you're going to be in a low bracket when you retire. So there you go. Um, so we got Dan, but it's, it's not his real name. So right. what you're doing some kind of sleuth stuff again? Andy? No, he asks at the bottom of it to please use a different name. So he wants to be called Dan, or did you pick Dan for him? No, he chose to be Dan. That is oh. his chosen name. Okay, Dan. From Nashville, Tennessee. Like, there's no, I mean, let's say his real name is Ed. Yeah, maybe, well, maybe it's Nelson. <laughs> it could be. As it says in the back, it said, I would not like to use my real name as it is recognizable. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. it's a... It's someone in the Nashville music scene, probably that we know, huh? Yeah, I hope so. That. I'm a right. big country music fan. <laughs> Hi, Andy, Joe, and Big Al. Thank you so much for the value you bring to your listeners and doing uh, so in such a fun and easy to understand manner. I have become an avid listener since discovering the podcast last year. Since listening, I have successfully asked my company, add the Roth provision of the 401k, added a SEP IRA to a separate, non-overlapping business, and waiting to hear from the pension community, committee if they will allow us to take a CRD, currently not allowed in the 401k, but I pitched it for tax savings purposes. Jeez, look at this guy. Yeah, that's great. I mean, he's just taking every nugget that we give and just... He took, he took a break from his music to start thinking about yeah, this. Yeah, that's right. Um, I also did the free assessment and went on to do some financial planning on a limited engagement. Um, I asked my dad to do the assessment if he ever finds his statements. Um, my question is, in regards to Roth conversion in the pro rata rule, I'm 41, married finally jointly, um, and in the 32% marginal tax bracket for ordinary income, 15% for capital gains, 23% effective tax rate. Based off my assessment, years to retirement, and projection of higher future taxes, I'm converting all of my tax-deferred accounts to a Roth. I understand it will be a hefty tax sum. My goal is to pass savings down to my children or use it later in retirement. Dan's 41. Yeah, well. It's and he's not, talking about passing his retirement accounts to his kids. I know. Well, where, where my head went was it's not Willie Nelson. <laughs> it's a little older than 41. Got it. He, I have a four... Uh, 47K in my traditional IRA, uh, the total 22.5K total deposits were all non-deductible IRA contributions. The rest is growth. 44K in my SEP IRA, $51,000 recently closed cash balance. 
Um, that can be transferred to either my 401k or traditional IRA in the upcoming weeks. Additionally, I have 160000 in an unmatched 401k plan that I will convert to a Roth IRA this year and $1 million in brokerage taxable accounts. All right. Well, way to go, Dan from Nashville. Uh, my question is, with the pro rata rule, will there be any savings on the 47K if I transfer my SEP IRA and the cash balance to my 401K plan? So all I have left in the IRA total is 47K. Or since I'm converting it all anyway, eventually, I will not get any savings. Uh, since I, um, I don't fully understand the pro rata rule, I thought I would be saving taxes on the 47K when it's converted to Roth because the other SEP and cash balance will go into my 401K and not be taken into effect. And then I can convert the SEP, cash balance, rollover, and 401K to a Roth later this year. Thank you again for all your time and energy in the podcast. I appreciate you all. P.S. If this goes on the podcast, I would not like you to use my real name as it's recognizable. He doesn't know that we got like eight listeners on this show. <laughs> we got Ed from Cincinnati that just tuned in. So yeah, that's but nice. if it is Willie Nelson or somebody like that, I can understand why he wouldn't want them to know that you know he listens to this show. Well, that's that's kind of cool that someone's <laughs> yeah, someone that someone that we might actually know. Yeah. Also, oh, for the oh, past dude. month or so, Joe's mic has uh, noticeably seemed muffled. And now, that's just how I talk. <laughs> You need to take off your mask. <laughs> Andy and Big Al seem fine. FYI, for what it's worth, thanks again. I sound muffled? That was because of Zoom. That's why we're not using Zoom anymore. Oh. Yeah. So it's better it's better now? Yep. I, I don't know. Maybe Dan, the music business Dan man. Can... Well, he's he's sensitive on sound, so. Yes, he, yes his ears are just <laughs> right. like. Right. Um, all right. So t- does he have... Um, does he have basis? He doesn't say. So, all right, if you move, all right, so here's how the pro rata rule, again, works for the millionth time. <laughs> if, you, if you put your profit sharing plan or uh, your SEP IRA and all of that stuff, if you move it into your 401k plan and you convert the $47,000, what's going to be taxed is $47,000 if it's all pre-tax. But I believe you have basis in it because you had some non, or if you have after-tax dollars. So you're not going to be taxed on the after-tax dollars, but if that that's the whole basis of a backdoor Roth IRA anyway. So if you have basis and you isolate the basis, you can do so uh, by moving everything else into the 401k plan, converting the, the IRA that has the basis in it. You will not be taxed on the basis, and you will only be taxed on the growth. So... um I don't want to reread this whole thing, but was there? Did, did you hear basis anywhere? Al? but no, you were just—you were dreaming about Willie Nelson the whole time. I was. I was thinking about on the road again and Whiskey River. <laughs> no, I think that's—I think that's right. I think if you, unless you're doing a backdoor Roth, the the pro rata rule doesn't come into play if there's no basis in your IRA. It just doesn't matter. Right. So. If you're going to convert the $47,000 in your IRA, convert it, you're going to pay tax on whatever um, is pre-tax and growth. If you do have basis or after-tax contributions, those will not be taxed. So let's say you had $7,000 of basis and the, the, the 
the balance is 47,000 and you had these other IRAs and SEPs, you moved all that in your 401k plan and you converted the $47,000, only $40,000 would show up on tax. The $7,000 of basis would be tax free. It's just return of basis that you would move into the Roth IRA. So um, hopefully that helps Dan. I appreciate you calling in or writing in and um, hopefully we, we didn't give away too much. Due to popular demand from the Your Money, Your Wealth audience, we will be publishing our ultimate guide to Roth IRAs very soon. It'll explain in depth what a Roth IRA is and the benefits of it, how a Roth IRA differs from the traditional IRA and from a Roth 401k, the rules for Roth contributions, conversions, withdrawals, and more. When you've got a question about Roth conversions in the future, you can simply consult the ultimate guide to Roth IRAs. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and subscribe to the YMYW newsletter to ensure that you'll be able to access this comprehensive resource about Joe and Big Al's favorite topic as soon as it's available. Then help us spread the financial fun and knowledge by forwarding the newsletter to your friends. We got one from Mike in San Diego. He goes, both my wife and I still work. We're in our early 60s, over a million dollars in taxable 401ks. We want to try to get more of this into Roths, but earn too much money in the 32% tax bracket to bite the bullet on the tax right now. All right. But do the not be spoken back to a Roth every year. Not to be spoken because he knows you hate them. I appreciate still that. Brought it up. Still brought yeah. yeah, it up. Because that's his question. Appreciate the effort. How about that one guy? You guys talk way too much about the backdoor Roth IRAs, and, and then all yes. of a sudden his question was the backdoor Roth. It's like, yeah, right? And he said he was going to ask a question that wasn't about it. Oh, yeah. I wanted to see your other expertise to see if you guys know anything else besides this garbage. Uh, however, I would like to try. Uh, try during retirement in a few years to convert some to Roth. I expect my income from pensions alone uh, will cost 85% of my Social Security benefit to be taxed in retirement. I was thinking of converting some of my taxable 401k to Roth, but uncertain how my Social Security benefit will be impact the tax rates. Um, I would pay if I did the conversion after I started receiving Social Security. How is the taxable portion of Social Security benefit impact tax brackets? By the way, I do enjoy Joe, uh, Joe's humor. And Al playing the straight guy. Keep it up. All right. Thanks, Mike. Need that little boost. Yeah. That'll Confident. give you enough boost to answer the question. <laughs> Confidence boost. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So he, he, he's curious about Social Security taxation. And so he's already saying his pension is going to make his Social Security taxable. So yeah. how it works is this, is that if you have the income under, let's say, is he married? Yeah, both my wife and I. So under $34,000, then 50% of it is going to be taxed, thirty-four dollars to $44,000 is kind of the threshold. If you have income under $34,000, your Social Security will not be subject to income tax. So it would be tax-free to you. From thirty-four to forty-four thousand, uh, then 50% of the overall benefit is going to be subject to income tax. For example, if your Social Security benefit is $20,000, $10,000 of that would show up on the tax return. Now, once he gets over $44,000 of provisional income, then 85% of his income is going to be subject to tax. And how the calculation on provisional income works is that you have to take half of your Social Security, so whatever that dollar figure is, 
And then you use your adjusted gross income. So interest, dividends, 401k distributions, conversions, even municipal bond interest, everything like that. So if it's over $44,000, 85% of the Social Security benefit is going to be subject to income tax. So it sounds to me his pension is already going to be there. Then he has Social Security. So he's already in the 80, you know, 85% of it's going to be subject to tax. The overall Roth conversion is not going to affect this, the taxation of his Social Security. It will probably affect um, his Medicare premium. Yeah, I agree with all that. And it sounds like when he retires, he'll probably be in a lower bracket. So even though he's getting Social Security, it still would be a good time to do conversions, right? Because it's before the required minimum distribution. So I'm, I'm all for that. I think that makes sense. In some cases, uh, we like people to try to delay their Social Security for two reasons. One, to get a, a higher benefit, first of all. The second reason is you got lower income, so you can do yet more Roth conversions in lower tax brackets. So Mike, you might want to think about that. The the only reason we would not recommend conversions in that scenario with someone with low income is that if they were in the threshold that was creating additional dollars of Social Security to become income taxed, right? Yeah. Because then every dollar that you add, you add a dollar eighty-five to income. Um, and that's th- there's a small threshold where we wouldn't recommend if someone had a small IRA and they had Social Security doing conversions doesn't make sense because the tax rate is too high. But it sounds like his pension and Social Security is already pushing that Social Security limit into the 85 percent level. So um, and he has over what a million dollars in retirement accounts. Yep. Or did I just yep. g- give no, him that know, that's, balance? That's in the first sentence. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I love it. I got five million dollars. In my retirement account. I, I, um, I love at, it when they lead with that. I'm yeah. not bragging. Yes. Yeah. I, and, I've um, got $3 million in my account. My wife doesn't really have anything. So <laughs> we're going to talk about me. Yeah. I got $10 million in my retirement account. Hello, Joe, Alan, Andy. <laughs> uh, I have a question for you. <laughs> um, Let's see. What are you feeling like, Joe? I don't know. Let's go with um, Santiago from Columbia City, Indiana. Okay. All right. So what's he got to say? Hello, Andy, Big Al, and Joe. Love the show like so many listeners. Could use more episodes. Not even close there, Santiago. We're lucky we can tape this one. Uh, thanks in advance for the conversation, not advice. Santiago, 50, ooh, we, you don't have to keep your age, but I like it. 53 from Columbia City, Indiana. You ever been to Columbia City, Indiana? No, never been. Have you? No. Um, so Santiago, he listens to us on his way to work while driving his 2012 Chevrolet cruise, Ooh, Chevrolet cruise. Um, interesting. I contribute to my company's 401k plan. I max out my annual contributions and then get money returned because I am a high earner. I haven't heard you talk about this problem before. Uh, Santiago, he's got like big problems here. <laughs> He's highly compensated. Yeah. All right. So let's. Uh, last year, a little over $4,000 was returned to me as a result of the calculation. That's 16% of my contribution that was returned. Thanks to your show, I did some research to see if our plan allowed, and it does, and recently started taking advantage of the mega backdoor Roth. Now we have an acronym for it, the MBDR. I never heard of that, but Santiago's helping us out. <laughs> Santiago, the MBDR within the plan. Uh, I was maxing out the pre-tax dollars, uh, which 
could be in the 24% tax bracket. Uh, knowing that I'll be making less in retirement, uh, currently rates would place my retirement earnings in the 12% tax bracket. Should I bother with the pre-tax contribution when a good portion of that money will be returned? I do reinvest the refund into the uh, brokerage account. Or am I better off putting all my contributions into the MBDR option? Uh, the mega backdoor Roth. I currently see where this show has gone to, Alan. Yeah, I know. It's it's every single question. <laughs> my current savings rate is 30%. And my goal is to reach the annual plan contribution limit. I hope I have provided enough information. Thank you all. All right, Santiago. So he's highly compensated. So the the what that means is that he's got a top heavy retirement 401k plan. So for high, highly compensated um, employees, um, what the 401k plan um, does not like um, is that, all right, well, here all the big shots are sheltering all their money from tax, while all the rake and file are not saving any money into the 401k plan. So they do these testing on these 401ks to make sure that it's kind of equally throughout. You could set up 401k plans uh, that it doesn't matter because then that's based on the match. So it's a safe harbor 401k plan. So Santiago, maybe you ask your employer to set up a safe harbor 401k, but if he sets up a safe harbor 401k, I'm guessing that he wouldn't, uh, that, that safe harbor 401k will not allow the MBDR. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> because there's testing for you to do after tax contributions. So my advice to Santiago is that, yeah, I would go pre-tax as much as you can, and then everything else go after tax to the plan limit. Um, find out, kind of get get a gauge of what, what your contributions were last year, and then make sure just switch your contributions to after tax, still go into the plan, and then from there, those are after-tax contributions, and then they convert those. Or maybe you could tell them, hey, because I'm highly compensated, if I get blasted out of the plan, but I don't think they run those calculations until later, right? And so instead of sending me a refund, can you just classify those as after-tax? You know, maybe you could do that. It sounds probably like a smaller company. Who knows? Um so I would talk to HR first and kind of see what you can do. But, yeah, I would fully take advantage of the after-tax components of that plan and then convert the after-tax components to the Roth. I mean, what do you yeah. think, Al? I, I agree. I, I think you, you do the after-tax first, you max that out, and then you put as much of the, of the um, post-tax in as you possibly can because that's, that's what you use for the mega backdoor Roth. So I'm in complete agreement with you. Yeah. I mean, Al meant to say do the pre-tax as much as you can and then go post-tax. So. Yeah. I always mix that up, don't I? We have indeed discussed the backdoor Roth conversions many times before on this show. And in the podcast show notes, you will find previous episodes where the fellas explain the rules for doing a backdoor Roth conversion, the pro rata rule and times when a backdoor Roth doesn't make sense, when to do a backdoor Roth conversion, paying the tax on your mega backdoor Roth conversion, and much more. I've also linked to our post-election tax planning resources, our two-day retirement classes, and our free retirement workshops in the podcast show notes so that you can take an even deeper dive on the Roth strategy and arm yourself with more knowledge when it comes to planning for your retirement. If you're not the DIY type and you want a professional to look at where you stand as you head into retirement, you can sign up for a free financial assessment with Joe and Big Al's team too. It's all in the podcast show notes and say it with me now, you can get there by clicking the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app. Uh, Tom writes in from Chi-Town, Chicago area. Andy, Tom here. My first question for the three of you 
So, uh, I drive a 2014 Blue Honda Civic. What do you think, Al? Do you like Honda Civics? Yeah, they're super reliable. Those are, <laughs> those are cars that you never wear out. Uh, he doesn't have a dog yet. He's looking forward to getting a golden retriever as a retirement gift. He has three children, graduated from college, and they are self-sufficient. I'm 60 years old. My wife is 58, currently living in a modest suburb in the far north Chicago area. Uh, we hope to retire somewhere a bit warmer in the winter, but we don't know where yet. Um, I'm late into tax planning. Otherwise, we would have a lot more money in Roths and less in pre-tax. I recently started running to lose my COVID lockdown weight and uh, discovered your podcast. So he's he's out there jogging, Al. Yeah, he sure is in Chi-Town. Getting, yeah, a, little, getting, getting a little chilly now. Yeah, he's getting slim. He's going to look <laughs> real nice uh, yes. for, for his retirement. All right. Absolutely love your show. Amazing how Andy is able to keep you boys on track. And I'm burning through about four of your episodes per week. Um, wow. Four episodes a week. That's, that's, a, little, that's a lot. That's yeah. way too much, Tom. <laughs> you got to be burning some calories, not burning those episodes. Well, hopefully he's doing both at the same time with, on his jogs, right? So he's got some thoughts here, Al, on his overall retirement strategy, and I'll just run down what Tom is doing for himself. He's got a rollover IRA of a, uh, about a million bucks. He's got his current 401k of 50,000, Roth IRAs of 200,000. Uh, he's got company stock fully vested of another few hundred thousand. He's got post tax money uh, that's in cash of 250,000. He's got an inherited IRA of 50,000. He's taking RMDs from that. And then he also has a few other old IRAs of 300,000. Uh, he opened up back in the 90s. Uh, with a couple of bucks, I think he put some money into Vanguard Healthcare Fund and the prime cap. So his current income is $170,000 annually. He makes another $50,000 a bonus in another fifty grand in company stock. He doesn't have any debt. So Tom is just living the dream in Chicago. Yeah, he is. And I added these numbers up, Joe. It's about $2 million he's got and about one, almost $1.4 in uh, pre-tax retirement. So his future savings, he's going to contribute the maximum funds to the 401k. My wife has not earned much over the years and is not currently working due to COVID, so she'll get half my Social Security. I don't think a backdoor Roth garage or standard door will work well due to current IRA holdings. Uh that might not be true, Tom, from Chicago. We'll hold on to that. Yeah, part. we'll see. Right. Uh, so when he retires, he's going to expect to do the following. He's got Social Security income of $25,000 that he'll collect at age 62. Uh, the missus will get 50% of that. Uh, he's got a pension of sixty dollars or $70,000, depending on when he takes that pension, Alan, um, and whatever survivor benefit, he's saying minimum $60,000. So he's looking to take the pension of 60, maybe take a little Social Security of 25. Then he's going to plan to withdraw $40,000 a year from his rollover 401k using the 4% rule on that million dollars. He's got an additional $300,000 buffer from the IRAs for bad market years. thus not having to touch the million-dollar principal for several potential bad market years. So what he's doing here, Alan, is interesting. He's segregating his accounts. And he's like, this is the one I'm going to draw from. This is the one I'm going to keep for rainy days. And I'm going to use the 4% rule here and not there. And so 
interesting yeah. how people kind of look at their money. Um, it I'll, is. I'll, and, I'll, and, I'll, I'll finish and then we'll, we'll okay. Because um, here's his questions. His questions okay. are coming up. So <clears throat> he's like, all right, I thought about retiring in March 2023 after paying, after the payout of an annual stock cash bonus. Uh, then not taking Social Security or pension until 2025, leaving 2024 a year open of no income. Uh, that would allow me to do some Roth conversions from my 401k. Uh, let's see. My wife thinks I'm nuts, and the tax savings is just not worth it. We have enough money in savings, money markets, accounts to live at least one year without any income. Wondering what you guys think. So his wife thinks he's nuts. Right. That's the premise. <laughs> that's why he's writing us. Yeah. So he's writing us a, like a, a full synopsis here. And he's, ho a he's hoping we'll agree with him. Right. And then he's like going to play it to his wife. Like, what's his name? Like, what's his, well, I forget his name at the dinner table. And then his wife had the belly laughs or some stuff. Oh, anyway, yeah. Right. Andy, you're usually pretty good at that, but I guess you weren't really paying attention. I have no idea what his name was. Don't remember. Oh, see, I guess he's not a good fan. Because Andy only remembers the good fans. Um, also, if we sell our house in 2024, would that count as income, thus making a mess of my plans? The house is paid off, and I assume a capital gain of about $200,000. But I think that uh, this is not taxable since we lived in the same house for 25 years. It's never been a rental pro uh, property. I thought it would be good to draw Social Security sooner than later, as the pension and savings should be enough to live off of. We're looking at Bali, a hundred thousand dollars a year with a buffer of about four hundred fifty thousand post-tax savings, current value for unforeseen expenses. All of this. So, if our children inherit the Roth IRA, will they be able to make withdrawals tax-free? And do distributions need to be taken uh, ten years after they take ownership? All right. Okay, so he's got a couple million dollars, $1.5 million in retirement accounts. He's got another half a million dollars, probably outside of retirement accounts. He's going to have $100,000 of fixed income, and he wants to spend hundred grand. And his wife thinks he's nuts for thinking about doing a Roth IRA conversion. Right, right. Yep, well, I, I, I like the concept, Joe. I, the, the concept is to, um, is to think about delaying Social Security. Delaying pension... I don't know enough about the pension to see what kind of benefits. If there's if there are significant benefits to delay the pension in terms of extra payout, then it might make sense. We know that's true for Social Security, so I would I would say if the pension has significant benefits of waiting, I would probably wait a little bit because he's got a lot of other resources. But on the other hand, if the pension is a pension, it's not going to change that much. I'd probably start that delay Social Security, he'll still be in a low enough bracket to do Roth conversions and do that for a few years. It's, you don't have to do all or nothing. I, I think a lot of times people want to, they just want to shut stuff off and do everything. I, I think I think you can do it based upon what's sensible in your situation. So I might, but I don't know enough about the pension to actually know whether that's a great idea. That's what I would think I would want to look into. All right, Tom, here's, here's the deal. All right, so you're going to have enough fixed income from Social Security and your pensions to cover your living expenses. So stop segregating all this stuff. Just put it, look at it as one big pot. What you want to segregate is what you have in retirement accounts versus non-retirement accounts. So you know what you can draw from in regards to pushing out either Social Security, as L suggesting, maybe to age 70, um, or you claim it right away. Uh, but th there's a few things to think of. He's 60 years old. He's got $1.5 million in retirement accounts, and the draw rate from that retirement account is going to be very little because the fixed income is going to cover most of his living expenses. Do you agree with that, Alan? 
I do. Yep. So let's say if he doesn't touch the retirement accounts at all, and this is where I'm, this is where he needs to put the wife on the podcast, because then the retirement account, let's say, doubles in twelve years at six percent growth rate. He's got now a three million dollar retirement account. His required distribution at age seventy two is roughly going to be one hundred twenty thousand dollars, plus his hundred thousand dollars of income. Call it two hundred twenty thousand dollars of income. What tax bracket do you think he's going to be in? He'll probably fall into alternative minimum tax, and he'll be in a 35% effective rate by that time. Who knows where taxes are going to be? Right. So if he waits, that retirement account could be taxed probably anywhere higher, 25 and up. He could pay tax today at 24. So I would ask the wife, would you rather pay 24% tax or anywhere from 25 to 35% in tax? I'm sure she would say 24. So then you do the conversion, get the money out of there, and then have it compound tax-free. It's that simple. Yeah, so I'm just going to add one quick thing, Joe, and I, I, I like that thinking. I think you push out Social Security. I'm not sure about the pension. You might want to take the pension just because otherwise you're going to go through your other resources pretty quickly, and you can do this over 10 years, right? But you maybe want to fast track it for the next few years because we know taxes are going to be lower through 2025. So maybe you fast track a little bit. Maybe you delay a little bit for the next couple of years, but then start taking your pension so you still you don't go through all your savings, uh, but still keep converting until age seventy-two. And I think that makes sense. Yeah, you take your pension at age sixty, whatever, whenever the the date. Well, he's going to retire at sixty-two, I think. Right. So take your pension at sixty-two. Look at pushing out Social Security to seventy because you have enough other assets to cover the shortfall. Then you're going to have a lot larger guaranteed income at age seventy. But then that gives you a twelve-year time frame to look at conversions, right? Yeah. And then position your assets the way you want. You're going to have lower tax rates at least until 2025 unless, um, you know, uh, the president-elect changes the tax law, uh, whoever that's ending up going to be. Oh, okay. You're going to go down that path? <laughs> we don't know, do we? <laughs> I'm not saying a word. Um, anyway, also, Joe, there's there's no taxes to pay on the on the capital gain on the house. A married couple gets a $500,000 exclusion as long as they've lived in the home two out of the last five years. And the kids will get the Roth IRA tax-free, but they do have to withdraw it over a 10-year period. All right, Tom, thanks a lot for your call um, or your email. Okay, well, uh, Jan wrote in. John? John. Oh, sorry, my eyes are a little blurry. Um, You write, just recently, just a couple days ago, he goes, the podcast keeps getting better. Tell Joe to keep his chin up. Except on the tea box. Yeah, I like that. As it relates to the back door, barnyard, garage door, Roth IRA questions, he uh, he and Aloha Al are thought leaders, if not founding fathers in this space. And he's the glue that keeps it all together. Awesome stuff. Thanks, John. Yeah, that's very nice. Because I'm on the verge of... Of quitting... The founding father. Of yes, the, uh, yes. Um, the back door, barn door. Yeah, you might have a new um, uh, host here of Your Money, Your Wealth, or the Roth IRA Conversion <laughs> Podcast. Right. It's going to be Tax Chat with Al. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting all geared up for that. You know, it's been about a ten. It's been a decade of preparation, Jerry. Yes, Tax Chat. <laughs> it's going to be. It's it's what you listen to when you want to fall asleep at night. I guarantee. It's going to be great. That intro music, <laughs> tax cat. 
you'll be like on it. I'm, I'm going to start the broadcast with, please take a deep breath, find a comfortable position. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it was, it, I, I envision like a, like Donald Ross type. Bob Ross? Bob Ross. Well, you know, Donald is his son and it looks like Alan. Okay. Right? Oh, like right? Pretty okay. Trees. Pretty Trees. I don't know who that is. Right? The guy with He's the afro? He's a painter guy. He, pretty, he, he painted well, landscapes pretty, and all that. Beautiful oh, okay. little baby pretty trees. Okay. Oh, yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, we're we're gonna. This is a bedtime show. <laughs> this this is to help you fall asleep. It, it's in lieu of a sleeping pill. Got it. All right, folks. Please bring in the questions. But enough with the Roth. I'm I'm tired of it. To be honest with you. So that's all I got for today. Got a couple derails at the end of today's episode, back where they belong. Visit the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to read the episode transcript, access all those free financial resources, and send in your money questions and comments. And we'll see you next week on the Tax Chat and the Roth Conversion Podcast. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. You can click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes as well at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6222. for your free financial assessment. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. I've been in Nashville uh, a couple times. Yeah, I have not. I've heard good things about it. It's awesome. I love Nashville. Every single place you walk into in Nashville, there's just world-class musicians playing in every single bar. It's ridiculous. I'm sure that's true. Yes. Very nice scenery there. Um, Ice cold cured lattes. You know, nice. (laughs) That's a big concern for Joe. Right? You need to have have cold beer there. Cold beer, good scenery, nice music. I mean, that's my kind of town. Yeah. All right. I digress. Where the hell do you think Columbia City, Indiana is? I would like to go to Columbia. Yeah, well, that's my son spent um, about four months in Columbia. It's a beautiful country. It's a little, there's a little bit of civil unrest there, but it's getting better is what I'm hearing. I wouldn't think a guy named Santiago driving a Chevrolet Cruze, but <laughs> well, what, I don't know. What do, you, what do you see if you should be driving? I don't know, like a El Camino. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Low rider. It's something awesome. You know, something <laughs> cool. Uh, I don't know what a Chevrolet crew. Like Santiago, that's a badass name. It is. I mean, it's a great I, name. I mean, Santiago from Columbia City. Yeah, I mean, right. I would be like, perfect. you know, if I'm at the bar and I meet someone, they'll be like, hey, I'm Santiago from Columbia. <laughs> what do you drive? City. <laughs> Chevy Cruise. Yeah, but I would say I'm Columbia City, Indiana, but I would just kind of, you know, just mumble city indiana yeah right you know of course I mean? yeah make it sound better yeah like more, i'm more santiago exotic. hey where are you from columbia columbia city, city. Indiana. <laughs> you want to yeah, go that's... you want to go for a ride in my chevy, chevy cruise <laughs> i'll take you for a cruise he's not going to say chevy <laughs> take you for a cruise in my ride oh right. okay so um, I digress here. I have one point seven million dollars. <laughs> That's how they open. I know. That, <laughs> you guys have a great show. Look at look at me. Look at I, me. I got a million and a half. <laughs> That's pretty good, right? Uh, <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs>